Hello, hey, listeners. Hello, listeners. Hey, Coxie. Come on, Nick. Over the top of each other. Are you ready? I'm ready. Christmas joke. I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be for your Christmas joke. Okay. I'm really sad to report that the gingerbread man hurt his knee, but he did go to the doctor. Guess what Mm -hmm. the doctor said? Oh, I can't imagine. Have you tried icing it? Welcome to the Tradies and Business Podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Oh, come on. Oh. See, our guest thinks it's Even our guest thing. is groaning. <laughs> Groaning in the background. We did. We didn't brief him on the silent thing, and not, you know, going into uncontrollable hysteria at the brilliance of your joke, Coxie. We've got to get you on. We got the chocolates, Nick. Yeah, but well, we're going to play them, out, boys. You would slay them. I don't think I would. <laughs> there's no way they would win at the don't laugh challenge. But anyway, um, we're talking to someone even funnier today, listeners. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> we're going to build this up so hugely uh and set the challenge for our our special guest isaac french from super nice advice welcome to the show mate hey guys nice to be on um you say that now yeah you say that now (laughs) you got one hell of a challenge ahead of you isaac yeah yeah um so isaac we love our listeners to to connect with the people that we have on this show it's some of the feedback we get from the from our podcast listeners is they like the stories they like understanding the people that we interview more so than the stuff that we talk about and no doubt we're going to talk about numbers and accounting today yes yes i can hear listeners right now even though this episode is not live for another week just losing their minds <sighs> crowd goes wild um but tell us a bit about yourself isaac uh who the heck are you yeah, cool. Thanks for the, uh, the hype up. I'm definitely going to let you guys down. So, just... <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, um, I think like if you were to put me in a nutshell, I'm just a lover of small business. Um, I grew up in a family of small business owners. <clears throat> My older sister, who was sort of a couple years ahead of me, she was always, you know, doing small businesses, uncles, aunties. It was just a big sort of thing in our family. Um, and going through, you know, schooling systems and university, it was always, the conversation of my mates and stuff to you know, go big corporate roles, you know, that was always the, I don't know, the merit of success or the level of success. It was if you got a job at a big firm, um, it never really interested me. So it was always part of my journey to sort of be involved in small business, uh, whether that was running, advising, or, you know, just being involved at any level. Uh, it was something that absolutely sort of just got me going. So um, got a got to start with a small business accounting firm um, and it was really good and I was really lucky to sort of have a couple of uh, advisors who were just good blokes. Um, the two fellas from Rocky who moved down to Brisbane. Uh, Rocky's like a country town up in Melbourne, Queensland. Um, and they were really, really good to work with and I was lucky enough because it was a smaller firm that I got to sort of work and sit next to the partners. Um, so you sort of get to hear it from the horse's mouth. You know how everything runs and there's not like that weird middle management where you're not really involved in anything and yeah it, it was a really good five years but if you know anything about you know experiences with accountants that outside of the business um you're not actually having to do anything with day-to-day mm. although people call themselves business, uh, business advisors they're not actually they don't actually fucking know anything about business like and and the reason is because the accounting model is such a easy model 
uh, it's revenue and then it's, you know, staff and there's no complexities to it. You just got to get more work and get more staff when you get more work. So because the model of accounting is so easy, um, I think accountants become quite complacent and don't really understand like the, the actual challenges that businesses have. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of felt that happening uh, in my first five years of being like a public practice accountant. You know, I'd meet with, um, you know, tradies, for example, and they'd talk to me about things like cash flow. And I was like, oh, fuck, what are you talking about? Like, it's like, this is your PL and this is your balance sheet. And it, it would just be fucking like blank eyes. Like, there's just. Um, your profit, mate. What are you worried about? Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they look at their bank account and they've got, you know, a line of credit for 20 grand and you know all these debts and they owe the ATO money and I'm like yeah but your PL it's um good <laughs> you know and it, it was always this like artificial feeling I think that I had um you know where it was like I fucking know accounting you know I've done you know seven years of study for this I've worked you know for five years and I, I understand you know compliance and, and how to stop yourself from you know, paying as much tax as possible and all this sort of thing. I understood that stuff, but when it came to actually, you know, what a lot of accountants call themselves, you know, advising on business, it, it really was so artificial. Mm-hmm. And the more accounts I spoke to, the more I realised that it's pretty common, especially in the small business uh, public practice side, that, you know, accountants don't really have a fucking clue when it comes to running a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sort of made like a conscious decision that I wanted to do it differently. Um, but I wasn't going to do that until I got involved with the business and understood stuff like cash flow. I think that's the biggest thing is cash flow. I understood, understood hiring, understood like sales, like top to bottom, just anything and everything that I could be involved in. Um, so I left public practice and started working uh, inside, um, not big corporates, like these are companies that might have, you know, 20 to 40 odd staff, but just bigger companies that had complexities and had issues. And mm. you know, it wasn't just, a, you know, I think it's a, you know, it wasn't that feeling of being outside the business. You were in the business and it was a business that needed financial help. Um, so spent like uh, four to five years now doing management accounting and that's management accounting compared to tax accounting for this is out there. Tax accounting is who you go to see to your tax, right? Uh, a financial accountant is someone who you might, you know, glorify title might be like a CFO or like a financial controller, something like that. So it's much more in the business and, you know, you're really dealing with everything. And it was a really, really good uh, lesson for me um, to understand, you know, this is actually the shit you have to deal with. Uh, as a business owner, this is the stuff that keeps you up at night. It's, and it, it was mind-blowing. Um, and I sort of definitely got in over my head to learn stuff, but I ended up getting involved in HR and ended up getting involved in legal and a whole lot of different fields. Had no idea what I was fucking doing, but... Um, <laughs> that's how you learn I think I mean you can go to university you can do lots of different things like that but I think at the end of the day the best way to um, learn something is to do it and make mistakes well not all the time but you know as good <laughs> as you can. Um, and, and, and deal with real world uh, sort of I think that's the other thing as well for accountants is they can give advice and there's not any uh, mm. like there's no repercussions to their advice I mean it's their advice and if they take it and then they act and then they lose all their money or they you know it, it's it's stuff that like if I made a decision, there was real jobs on the line, there was real money on the line, and you know that intensity sort of really uh, helped me to you know take it way more seriously and just be absolutely obsessed with it. So went through, did that for five odd years, um, and started last year. I was like, okay, cool, ready to go out and um, start my own practice and start sort of delivering an accounting experience that was really felt like it was in the business, not out of the business. Um, 
And there's a really good HR firm that I used as a consultant when I was doing management accounting that um, helped me um, you know, with HR things. And they really felt like they were inside the business. Um, and a lot of that didn't have to do with their technical advice. It was just the fact that, you know, I could chat to them about stuff and it was easily accessible. And, you know, it was just stuff that you know, it was a care factor, I think. Um, so we've sort of really brought that into our business. Um, and, you know, it's really sort of resonated with a lot of tradies because, and I don't know if this is them liking us, but we really like tradies. Like we've had different clients in the medical industry and in the law industry and lots of different industries. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about lawyers or, or doctors. But You've not, already slagged yeah. off accountants, mate, so you don't yeah, have to worry. But they're just, I don't know, they're, they're, they're tight. They don't respect your advice. Um, you know, I think and I, we've, me and uh, my business partner, Matt, have always tried to figure out what it is about traders and make them so good to work with. The sort of conclusion that we've come up with is that, one, they've been the longest industry to work remotely. Like when you think about it, and it's it took us a while to figure this out, but the reason they're so good at replying, the reason they're so good at getting documents, the reason they're so good at communication is because they've been working out of their car for, you know, the, the better part of the last, you know, 20 years. Um, so they were the first industry to actually be able to be productive and, and you know, capable in a remote environment. So that makes them super agile, super good at taking on processes. And I think the other thing that made them so good to work with um, from like sort of a client relationship is that they're working with so many other businesses day to day on site in a way that it has to work. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, and I mean, I don't know, there's millions of different reasons behind why, they're just better people to work with. But um, from our sort of opinion, and I'd be good to hear what you guys think of this, but I felt like that are probably the key drivers. They're just forced to work with so many people all the time. And it just forces you to be, you know, a better, because it's, it's definitely like a two, two row, like a two way street. Mm-hmm. Um, like if the client relations is bad, it's not necessarily the accountants or the client's fault, but you know, it could be either or, but yeah. yeah, so we've had a, a fun year with that and, you know, it's been a really, really good year getting into it and we've been loving helping out some tradies. So, yeah, that's sort of where we are now. Let's call it for what it is. Eh? I love that. And I, cause I know it's really relatable and it, and it's true that often a lot of what you've said is stuff that we talk about or issues that we broach quite early on. It's not the first time actually we've said lots of times for our clients to find a new accountant um, for the exact reasons that you're pointing out. They're looking at a different story than what we necessarily want them to look at as a business owner. They're two vastly different stories, as you pointed out. So I think that the realness of calling it out for what it is, um, it's a tired old model that doesn't necessarily work for a small business. It might work for corporates, but doesn't work for small business. And it can be um, all-encompassing and quite it's almost like a blindfold for most business owners to not be seeing the real picture of what their business looks like in a financial sense and then being able to dig into what the real problems are and start to pull it apart. That aside, um, and I think back to your question about tradies, they are amazing people. You won't get any arguments from us, obviously. And I feel like it's their, you're right, their, their ability to communicate with a broad audience because they're working with so many types of people every day. But they're the, also the as a general generalized statement, they're the nicest people I've ever met. They're so keen to help. Um, Therefore, when it comes time to finding help, they're more likely to listen to what's being said. Not all. There are certainly some exceptions to the rule, but they are more likely to, to listen out to what's being spoken about. So I think that's some of the key changes um, or differences between other professions. I, 
I imagine that your business model must be really attractive to particular types, not of trades, but I guess personalities that fit well, A, with yours and B, with that approach that I feel like you must take, no bullshit, let's have a real look at the big picture. How have you managed to attract the right kind of clients for you to be talking to and working with on a weekly, monthly basis? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's come from a couple of different funnels. Um, I used to, when I first started in PAX years ago, I like started this uh, with the consent of the partners, this thing where if you were a tradie and you brought your mate in, you get a carton of gold. Um, <laughs> yep. So that, that was like seven odd years ago and I ended up getting a heap of it. They're, they're all PAYG tradies at the time. Um, and a lot of them, you know, the natural progression of tradies and it's the entrepreneurial spirit of, you know, Australians and tradies, they all go out and start their own business. Um, you know, kudos to them. I definitely think they're the most independent out of all the industries out there. Um, they're not on the hamster wheel and, you know, they're happy to sort of have a go and take a risk. Mm. But a lot of them just turned into business owners and then it was just a natural progression. Um, but I think our marketing efforts sort of direct them towards us. Like we we made it very clear at the start that we weren't ever going to talk about accounting in our marketing efforts. It was going to be about our clients. And I think that's a big bit of what our marketing is. It's kind of, I don't know, just taking the piss a bit out of the situation and, you know, just having a bit of fun and, you know, um, that sort of stuff like that. But we're not sitting on Instagram sort of trying to tell them about some, Division 7A, S40, ADAs thing that like, they don't even talk about. So I think that was the thing. And then I think probably the last thing is just that we were very adamant whenever we meet them that the communication is not like a hands-off sort of approach. So it's not like we'll send you like a, a notice to pay your bass and that's our job done. And then if you didn't pay it, we don't turn around and go, oh, we emailed you. Like it's not like we, we've done our job. Like what do you mean you didn't see our email? It's, it's very much like we... Um, we're rude to a degree and we tell people like we're going to be rude to you and people see it as rude, but we're going to make sure everything gets done and everything happens properly. So it's much more like a um, slap on the wrist sort of approach. And I think that's what they want. They want someone to tell them, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's what our clients who have come on board have sort of appreciated. And I think then word of mouth, like they're, they're good to, you know, chat to each other and their friends when they enjoy the service. So that's probably where a lot of the work's come from, I think. Direct approach never goes wrong with the trading. That I'm on the fluff, right? They they just want to get straight to the heart of what the issue is, and yeah. uh, yes, be told what to do and shown the benefit as well. Yeah. You know, when they yeah. can see the benefit, they're more than happy to do the work that's involved. Yeah, like it'd be no different to them, you know, turning up to your house if you ask them to do some work and you're telling them, you know, it's a, like they just want. They, they, I think that's, and I think you kind of touched on it. They. They, they're paying for a service and they want the service to be delivered. They're not there to tell you how to deliver. Like, and I think that that's, maybe that's what makes them great mm. to work with, but I think you kind of touched on that as well. But yeah. Mm. And this, there doesn't seem to be <clears throat> within the trades a culture of what I found. And I, I actually spent a couple of years in commerce after doing my degree and yeah. uh, spent about seven years in the financial planning world as well. And in a lot of those professions which i think it's bullshit that you know they're considered professions and trades are somehow a lower level yeah. of importance it's just such a crock but anyway yeah. um <clears throat> I, I, <laughs> i'll stay away from disparaging comments yeah. about about those because i i was a professional you know I, i've studied i've got degrees and diplomas and shit yeah um but like you said before isaac i absolutely agree 
you learn from doing. Yeah. And so um, trade business owners, that's how they learned just about everything was by doing. You know, I was the same yeah. with my old man. That's, I'm pretty handy uh, and I learned all that from doing stuff and I still learn by doing stuff. But there's a culture, I think, in professions of making things sound professional. You know, it's like, oh, you need to make it professional. You need to be more professional. It's like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> and why? Like, how does that actually serve a benefit? So that's what I, I love about working with our clients and with the trade industries is, you know, this podcast is is obviously one of our few main ones where you'll hear at least me get sucked into the, the uh, potty mouth. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, as a financial planner, it was pretty rare that I said fuck with a client Yeah. because that didn't portray a professional image. And somehow that professional image delivered a better service. So anyway, that's that's what I love about them. Isaac, I wanna I do wanna ask you about numbers because clearly accounting and business, actually, I have uh, well, I believe that um, business is a is a numbers game and the language of business is numbers, same as accounting. How the freaking hell do you take something that can be very complex like cash flow or break-even concepts or margins, which are quite foreign to a lot of small business owners, how do you then deliver that, that information in a way that makes sense to people? Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, and it's a, good, it's a good point. Um, and I think like what you're touching on as well is like it was that uh, intimidating acumen, like the professional financial acumen is quite intimidating and elusive. It's like fucking, what are you trying to say? Like, it's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was like, yeah. Um, but so we, so, and numbers is a big part of that as well. So we've um, kind of ditched the PL and the balance sheet um, when we're sort of communicating with a lot of these clients. Like, we obviously keep an eye on them and we make sure that, um, you know, that stuff's well looked after and well maintained. And, you know, being trades and businesses, you're often doing a lot of borrowing, like a lot of commercial loans and whatnot. So you need those documents to be up to date and, mm looking presentable because, um, you know, bank or non-bank lenders are going to need them at some point. Um, but we work off a, current, a thing called a current asset position. Okay. So what a current asset position is, it's it's like, this is the stuff that matters. This is the cash that you've got. It's the cash that you owe and you, you've got a security against selling. So it doesn't matter if you close down your business and walk away from it, you're still going to have to pay. Mm -hmm. um, and it also looks at like who owes you money and who you owe money to. Okay. Um, and then that's sort of a number that you just want to be positive and you want it to be positive to the point that it covers three months worth of expenses with no turnover. So that's kind of like what we, um, that's the communication that we sort of have with all our clients on, um, you know, a fortnightly to monthly basis. So there's, we've got, um, you know, we're lucky to have sort of in, embraced technology, you know, earlier than later. And we've got a report that goes out sort of, communicating this very simple number to them that they just need to know, you know, this number covers three months worth of my normal expenses. Okay. Um, and it's, I mean, you could say it's underreporting, but it's way more effective at, you know, letting them know that they're in the green or that they cannot contact on a new project or they cannot can't hire more staff than sending them a PL and doing a three hour chat about it every single week. So we sort of really have just dumbed it down to be, this is your number. That's like, uh, you got to look, you got to keep an eye. And if it's not, you haven't kept an eye or it's looking bad, well then let's do an emergency chat and figure out how we're going to solve it. 
Isaac, I don't feel like that's any different to, you know, I'm pretty passionate about health because it's fairly important to humans. Um, without it, we're kind of screwed. Yeah. Uh, and so I have a fairly high personal interest in it and my interest goes up as I get older every year. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it'd be like saying to someone uh, going through their microbiology and pages and pages of blood tests and scans and shit then saying, so that all cool? You, you know how to manage your health now? It's like, no, I've got no fucking idea. Or saying, okay, you need to, you know, consume less than 2,000 calories a day. Here's an app that counts your calories. Just focus on that. Yeah. And yeah. people can do that. Uh, and I see so many industries where things have become so friggin' complicated. Business coaches do it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that, that shat me about business coaching for many years was just how complicated everything seemed to be about marketing and everything else. We get asked questions all the time. The magical question we get asked by our clients, our tradiepreneur clients is what margin should I be making? And, (laughs) and I'm going to test this on you, Isaac. You might disagree with, with what is probably my personal philosophy and Nicole's just, um, you know, I'm happy that she's (laughs) stayed silent and let me trot this one out in my rants that I have in our uh, group coaching sessions. It's like, the biggest one you can fucking get uh, because there is no magical number. People are like, oh, but should it be 35%? I'm like, well, I don't know. Where do you live? How many clients have you got? Who are you doing business with? How much money do you spend? What are your goals? It's it's a personal number. It's like, well, how much, what should I weigh? Oh, you should weigh 72 kilos. Based on what? So I think a lot of it is more about, and I love your your simple number, tracking something simple and seeing what the trend is, you know, how is this tracking? What does this mean to them personally? Because I could tell them that their margin should be 42% and they're currently getting 21% and they'll probably quit because I I can never get to that. Mm. I'll go broke trying to get to that margin. Mm. Do you have a a take on some of those? Again, it's the complex and how to make it simple, but do you believe that there's, you know, benchmarks? Is there numbers people should be hitting? Like, do you subscribe to that, or do you take a different view to business performance measurements? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was a bit worried that you were going to be the other way around and sort of <laughs> put it on me and be like, "What do you think of this benchmark? Like, everyone should be doing it." And, and I, I could not agree with you more. It's such a an individualized like. I don't think anyone wants to be confined to the industry standards. Otherwise, they wouldn't be starting a business. Like, if that was something that you were like. I want to fucking run by the mill, then you're an employee. And there's nothing wrong with being an employee, but like that's yep. that mindset of being confined to like a bench, an industry benchmark is is not, I, I don't think it's a relevant factor at all. Um, I think like it helps. Benchmarks help to like understand how you're doing uh, in relation to the average, but you know, th- there is so many variables and you know, whether you've got like a high value product or you've got like a high service point product, if you're in a point of your business where you're scaling, you know, you're obviously going to take a lower margin to get your name out there and to deliver a really good product. I mean, there's so many variables along the way and it's more like, these are my personal financial goals. Are they covered? You know, yep. this is what I fucking like going out to dinner a couple of times a week. Okay. I want to get to this point. I'll get there over this many years. My personal shit's covered. And I mean, like it's, and it's also so, so many industries, like you, you can't just paint a brush over it. Cause I mean, like these big sort of, you know, developments, they're working on like one and a half to 2%, mm. but they're taking home millions and millions of dollars. And it's like, it's all to do with, you know, so many different factors. And like, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's really such a, uh, you know, it's an individual goal. It's a, it's a product thing. Like there's not just one type of plumber. 
Yeah. <laughs> and anyone who says there is, is just a, a perfect example of like what a out of the business consultant would say um, to say, look, this is, you know, there's like millions of, or millions, of, I don't know, I mean, there would be, but like hundreds of thousands of plumbers in Australia and they all should be exactly like this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, and- it's, yeah, it, it says that there's only one answer, which says there's only one way to run a business, which is a crock. Yeah. Because we're yeah. all running our businesses the way that makes sense to us. And exactly as you say, Isaac, is is what obviously we believe here at Traders in Business, and I'm sorry, Nick, I'll speak for you because your joke was so great, um, <laughs> that <laughs> your business is a vehicle to provide the the lifestyle, you know, to, for, you to, for you to hit your personal goals. Nobody works Okay, maybe not nobody. There's some quite crackpots out there that maybe work just because they love work. Um, but most of us are working for a, an end. It's mm. a means to an end. And the end for, for just about everybody that I've ever spoken to in small business in more than 20 years is lifestyle. They want camping trips or overseas holidays or a new surfboard because I can see the one hanging on your wall in the background there Uh, (laughs) or a motorbike or to pay for the private schooling for the kids. You know, like it's, it's all about shit that means something to us individually. Um, How, how do you, I guess, re-educate people that come to you almost I find people perhaps judge new professionals, and we go back to that term, we get this here as business coaches. People have had an experience with business coaches. They have an idea about how they should be or the sorts of questions they could ask. And I can almost see people thinking through the questions that they think they should ask so that they've done a good job of Mm. grilling the business coach before they they invest in the program. Um, How do you guys go about re-educating people about what accounting could be, you know, small business accounting and consulting? Yeah, well, we um, we're we're uh, I, I, and we were pretty conscious of this when we started, and I think you know you can play this into so many businesses, and it's it's really a test of um, you know, time and patience and balls to a degree. But um, we were very conscious of you know making sure that it wasn't just a matter of um, you know, us selling ourselves to them, but them selling themselves to us. So every single time we you know meet with a potential new client or a lead or anything like that. Um, the, the biggest thing for us is that they have to agree to have an open mind and they have to agree to take our advice. Um, and, you know, if they're not uh, interested in getting our advice, we literally just don't take them on. So I think, you know, the, the sort of relationship where you can convince someone, you know, how to change their complete mindset on like running a business and the thoughts and stuff, that happens over six months. Like it's not something that you can sort of convince someone to do straight away. But what we do do is we sort of identify whether or not that person is the right fit and you know whether uh, it's like they've got the humility to accept that you know there's there's different ways to look at things and we're not we don't we're not here to tell them that like they're doing things the wrong way like a lot of these business owners and almost all of them that we inherit particularly in the trades industry they're actually running quite a good business already mm-hmm. um, and you know we, we've never sit here and go uh, like we change a business um, but what we are trying to do is optimize it and, and give them more clarity and I think it's it's really important as well for us because a lot of our leads come through from, you know, people who might have business coaches or, or virtual CEOs or COOs or anything like that. And I think a lot of the time our relationships are really, you know, supported by other people who are more strategic. Um, so I think a lot of the time our education is more about clarity and then we work really well with, you know, the business coach or the COO who can really help them get the bigger contracts, help them, you know, work on other stuff like that. But it's really a filtering process. And I think you just know, like you just know if someone's going to be a dickhead 
and like for better words, like you, and you just don't want to work with them. And I think it, it's it's a big thing for my team because I don't want my staff having to deal with people and get you know because they they get, they get stressed out and they're worried about it and then and then suddenly they can't service your clients who are really respectful and really good yep. because they're so taken by you know this other client that's causing headaches and so we're just picky I think so we more make that more like we don't try and re get them to re-educate or rethink we just say if you're not open to doing it we don't want to work with you. Hey, Tradies in Business, was here. Sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure. I'm joined by Coxie, of course. <laughs> Hello. You may not know this, Tradie or Tradie Wife or whoever you are listening to this program, but we're business coaches. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that feels weird to say. <laughs> but we do actually work with people just like you to solve a bunch of problems. And we have this fantastic program called the Tradiepreneur Program, and that's how we do it. And we do it with a wonderful community of trade business owners who are all trying to fix or improve or change things to progress. Things like getting behind on quoting, Coxie. Feeling overwhelmed, behind on your invoicing, feeling really stressed or frustrated about the money stuff. Sometimes you can pay the bills, sometimes you can't. What about staff? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, staff. Trying to get them to do what you want them to do, if you can even find them in the first place. Uh, there's so many struggles. And we've seen clients tackle these things in their trade businesses in a quite a short space of time, to be honest, mm -hmm. during the program and recruit staff at a time where everybody was saying you can't get good staff, mm -hmm. improve their quality from their team, collect their debts much more quickly. We How have about sessions. tips? Yes. Getting tips, yes. So uh, people rounding up, customers rounding up the invoice by hundreds of dollars mm -hmm. because they're so happy with the sales process and the experience of dealing with the trade business owner and their team. So some amazing stories from our clients. But, you know, as they say in the, in the commercials, don't take it from us. Uh, <laughs> hear what some of our clients have to say. Coming into Christmas, we are not worried about money. We've got enough money in the bank to pay everybody's leave. There's work booked in for the new year. And for the first time in a long time, we'll be having three weeks off and not worrying about the business. That's probably the biggest win of all. Using the cash flow forecast, I've been able to look into the future and see where I'm going to be situated financially. And it's actually started to have a huge bearing on whether or not I make purchases. By far, one of the best things about working with Nick and Woz are the other businesses that are working alongside them. It is amazing how empowering it is to be working alongside like-minded people who have similar goals, similar troubles. We can all relate to each other and everybody helps everybody out by figuring out problems with you that they may have faced previously. Everybody has solutions and constructive feedback and it's an incredibly friendly, warm, welcoming environment, not threatening at all. From every job, I know that I will get a sustainable wage that's industry leading. I can have at least 10 to 20% profit and I can pay taxes, super, all of that. And I do not have to question whether or not I can because of the way that it's been built. And that is thanks to traders in business and what they've taught me and what I've learned. So there you go. There's some real people. We did not pay them to say those things. <laughs> and I think that sounds a lot better than Coxie and I reading them out. 
we really would love for you to check out more about how you could take your trade business to where you would like it to be. Surely you have a vision of what things could be like or what you wish they were like on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. Um, whether that is reducing stress or actually making more money. Maybe it's spending more time with the family, taking more holidays, having the choice Mm. that you really wanted when you started your business instead of this beast that seems to be there for many of you listening to this program. So if you want to find out more about how we do this through the Tradiepreneur program, Coxie's going to tell you all about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually not. I'm going to be really secretive and uh, keep all of our magic up our sleeves. What I would like you to do, though, is head on over to tradiesandbusiness.com.au. You can learn all about us, why we do what we do, and how you can work with us, what that actually looks like. There's a whole bunch of free stuff there for you to download, uh, lots of options. We've always got new stuff going up onto the website and a great place for you to learn a whole bunch more about how you can work with us. You can even book a 15-minute chat. For free. For free. That's how abundant we are. So head over to the website, uh, check it out, book a chat with us, and we'd love to find out if you'd be a great fit for the Tradiepreneur community and start hanging out with some of those people that you just heard from. Love that. We take a very similar approach because obviously some of the concepts that we talk about can be just so different to what they've experienced before and it's a bit mind-bending and we try really hard not to speak and wanker speak like yeah. we refer yeah. it to and it's that professional speak but it's hard to avoid some of it some of it they're going to have to look at whether they like or not like cash flow it's like the dirtiest word you can talk to a tradie about and yet the most important thing they need to keep their eye on um isaac i'm interested to understand rather than talking about what what business owners in general might do wrong what did they neglect to do or what do they neglect to keep an eye on from, I guess, a money point of view, which gives that holistic view of the business that they could start to make some change on or start to get some understanding about it at the very least? Uh, I think, the, and, and we'll be specific to trades here, but I think the biggest thing that I notice, um, you know, outside of cash flow management is is understanding or, or thinking about what they're actually taking out of the company. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, often, you know, it's just a, most clients we inherit will have um, and, I think if you've heard this word before and you know what this word is, you're going to shit yourself because it's a horrible thing to hear about once you find out what it is, but it's this thing called a Div 7A loan. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what it is, is it's where you've essentially taken money out of a trading entity, um, let's call it a company, and you um, you haven't declared it as income in your own personal name. Okay? And I mean, how else would you know about that unless you got in the position where you have a loan? And it's mm-hmm. normally because you haven't been told you shouldn't be doing it. And it's a hard conversation to have. It's a hard one to explain, you know, hey, you've earned this money, but it's not yours. You, like, it's just, it's quite a, it's it's a tough thing to, it's a tough conversation to have. And I think that's why it often just gets avoided. It's like, oh, fuck, we've got to be the bearer of good news at all time. Otherwise, our client's going to leave us. And I think that's what accountants sort of see themselves as being. Like, it's got to be like, oh, we saved your tax and this is good. And Respectfully, there probably are some clients that, you know, if you don't give them good news, they'll leave, but like good reasons to them. So I think that the biggest thing, particularly in the trades industry, is um, figuring out a plan around like how you're actually getting money out of the company and in, in a way that supports your lifestyle and you're not, you know, getting fucked over by the ATO. But then the other one as well um, is just having basic understanding of like fair work and contracts like there's so many small business trades operators that are operating out there without any hr framework and it's not there out of you know to protect your employees it's there to protect you 
Absolutely. Um, but you, you got to remember, like the fair work system, it's um, it, it it has a bad name. I'll be honest. And like I've, you know, had to learn the hard way how to work with them mm -hmm. um, from working with other companies. But um, if you do the right things, and there's not a lot of things that you have to do. Mm -hmm. um, it's really not. It's three documents. It's a it's a role description. It's a contract, and then you know maybe a bonus sort of arrangement if they're the right employee. That's all you need. Um, and it's really not hard. It's three meetings a year. Just mm. fully documented and no one does it. No, they don't. Not the trades. <laughs> it's such a mind-blowing concept for them yeah. that we can actually manage the people instead of put up with the people. Yeah. And I think it's, it comes out of like their good nature. They're just like, oh, no, he's a good bloke. Like, I don't, I don't want to give him a contract. I don't want to have to, you know. It's not there for like you to punish them. No. Because the good employees, you'll never have to use it. That's right. Okay? Um, so... You know, you can work on like how you communicate that with your staff, but it, it, I mean, we often tell our trades clients that just, just blame us, you know, just say, oh, the account is famous. Yeah. So. We say the same all the time. Yeah. Yeah. My wanker business coach said I had to do this. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Um, I, so I agree 100% some of those areas are really easy to neglect because the trades don't do it ever, let alone it being a normal conversation. Like, some of this stuff, in my opinion, should be part of their apprenticeship so that they understand what a good business structure looks like moving forward. And we've got some interesting uh, bodies in every state that will assist with contracts mm -hmm. to protect consumers. However, we're not educating broadly tradies on some of those other key areas that keep them protected as a business owner. You know, in many cases, they're homes and their families' lifestyles are at risk and we're not looking at how to protect that risk. We're just... Um, doing what we do best with our hands and going to work every day and giving people free shit and, and making allowances for everybody and being the general nice guy. And yeah. instead we're digging ourselves a hole. It's, it's unfortunately common and it comes with a bit of a shock. I think I do have maybe for our listeners, a bit of a controversial question. I do hope like hell that you answer it the way I want you to <laughs> like to understand what your take is on small business owners doing their own book work before coming well, to see you what's the right answer the wrong answer is <laughs> that they do it themselves we really want them all to have some support in that key the professional there you yeah. go you pay a wanker professional heaps of money to do it for you yeah um i, I think like yeah generally it is better that they're not doing it because it just leads to a you know a world of of pain when it's wrong mm. and no one notices it mm. um but for the the right trading business owner it's the best way to give them insight yeah, um, and to understand everything that's happening, mm -hmm. I mean, there's it, there's definitely two different types that it works for. The one that is diligently committed and will do it every week. I think it's something you'll look at every single week. And like mm -hmm. any clients that we sort of do their bookkeeping for, we try to do it every day. But mm -hmm. um, you've really got to be in there every single week. And the ones who can do that and will do that, they should be doing the bookkeeping, and you shouldn't be paying someone else to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the ones who don't do it every week. And, and when I say bookkeeping, I don't just mean doing the invoicing because that's what a lot of the time they think it just is. This is like doing the reconciliation, doing payroll, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. If you're not committed to making it an important part of your life, get someone else to do it and just worry about the simple numbers and, you know, working with the business coach on like the, the strategic stuff and the bigger like picture. It's, 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 it's a time intensive process if you don't know what you're doing and mm. unless you're really committed to it, just don't do it. Mm. That's the perfect answer, Isaac. Thank you very much. I'm going to go and bash a whole bunch of clients over the head with that one. Because it's still, given that, you know, 
trades are have a DIY concept. They're all about doing what they can for themselves to save themselves money instead of looking at the best use of their own skills. And if their skills are attuned, we have some tradie wives that do a fantastic job of the bookkeeping and yet they actually have other skills that they could be utilising and pay a bookkeeper 65 95 bucks now, whatever it is. It's done. It's coded correctly. They're having regular conversations with your the rest of your team. They can make sense of that so that you get the outcome that you require and use their skills for other things like marketing because nobody speaks more passionately about your business than the people that own the business. So excellent answer. Thank you. I do have one girly question. This is going to dovetail in. Our clients are going to love this. It's coming off the back of conference where we spoke a lot about handbags and I did see that you happen to have a little video on your Instagram feed. You're talking yeah. about a Gucci handbag. I don't want a Gucci handbag. I want a Louis Vuitton handbag. Thank you. <laughs> Can I have it as a tax deduction? Um, officially, I'm not like advising anyone, but technically, technically, the law says that if you have a logbook for that item that you use for work, um, and if you use it 70% of the time, it's the ATO's rules, and you know they're there to get you in trouble, and they're also there to protect you. So. Rules are for everyone. They don't, um, you know, take prejudice. If you have a logbook, the, the the general advice is that it's you can claim it. So thank you, ladies. I'm sure you're listening and worried. I'm going to be <laughs> late to work five minutes every day because I've got to fill out my logbook from walking from upstairs the house downstairs to the office. That's what I'll be logging. Uh, and and I'm just going to throw in another disclaimer because I'm scarred from being <laughs> a financial planner for many years. This is general advice, gang. Uh, so if yes, you want, if you want to go take action on anything that we've shared today, especially, <laughs> please go and see your own accountant or financial advisor and get some specific <laughs> advice for your circumstances. That is so boring. Out of, out of jail. Isaac's <laughs> not going anywhere. Uh, it's it's like jokes aside. It's something that. I think makes it harder for um, advisors like you, Isaac, mm. is clients don't necessarily understand the legislation and the the framework that you have to work within because mm. there are certain things that you can and can't give advice on. There's ways to give that advice. There's work that has to be done. And hey, presto, there's a $10,000 accounting fee at the end of the year. And it's like, what the fuck is this for? <laughs> and they don't see that there's all this work in the background, which with tradies is ironic because mm. all of you listening to this would be sick to the eyeballs of your customers going, you charged me how much to replace a washer? It's like, yeah, man, I've had to work for seven years to get my license, et cetera, et cetera. So do you find you have those sorts of, I don't know if clashes is the right word, but do you, do you bump into that with clients and how do you guys approach that? Well, we don't with tradies. Um, they always seem to, you know, be pretty happy with what we're doing. The, the industries that we have are with actually lawyers and medicos. Mm -hmm. um, and any time at any point, you know, any of our sort of fees have ever been questioned or anything like that, we just tell them that they get your money back go away straight away. Like we, and it's funny every time we've done it, and it, I think they get they sort of don't. Like, oh shit, like oh fuck. But um they will message us a couple of days later being like, Oh no, we're all good. That's just I was just having a bad day, sort of thing. So because <laughs> uh, we're not like we're not super expensive as consultants. Um we're not H and R block, like we don't charge enough, yeah. but we we're not we're not taking the piss for death rights. And I think, you know, majority of our clients, especially because of our lead funnel, they're 
you know, they get what we're sort of doing. Um, they're yeah. pretty, you know, happy with the value for service. But the, the, yeah, the ones that have ever questioned our fees, and it's generally on quoting, not after the job. But um, yep. we just say, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Like, mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and, I, and I like that approach to business is the delivery can be different for all of us based on our own um, personal values, I guess. And I like a business that takes a stand. Uh, mm-hmm. and we'll take a stand for, well, these are the kinds of people that we will take on as clients and you're not one of those people. So that's okay. You know, it, it seems like we're in an era where everything has to be accepted by everybody. And, and I don't, I struggle with that as a you know middle-aged white man. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think it's great that a business is clear about who they do work with. So I like, that you guys are clear about that and you're willing to actually do that. And I want to just um, run back to something you said earlier, Isaac, about your team. And I really want to make a point of this for our listeners. Uh, If you employ people, Isaac talked about not taking on shitty clients because then the team have to deal with shitty clients. And I think it's it's a piece that a lot of, well, trade business owners that I talk to anyway, probably seem to miss is, a way you can actually take care of your staff and really provide a work environment that's great for them is to only take on great clients mm. because then your staff actually like working with those clients. Instead of making them do shit jobs for shit people, they're going to have a shit time and they're going to blame you for it as the employer because you're the person who's paying them. Uh, I, I want to ask you about your team culture, Isaac, because it's something that Nick and I bang on about a lot. Um, do you do something proactive about your culture? Have you, you know, built it deliberately? Has it just been a, you know, a happy accident? Uh, what's the go with with your team, mate? Um, yeah, I think um, I think you're right. Like it's it's I think it's more important that your team's happy than it is that your clients happy because if your team's happy, you're doing a good job, and your clients are going to be happy. Um, now, how how you do that? I mean, it's it's. I don't think you can broad stroke it. Every person's different and it depends on what role you're hiring for. Like there's different roles where you need to motivate them to, you know, um, have buy-in in different ways. Um, but, you know, I, I think that sort of worked well for me um, is having my team commissioned on my activity. So like if I do a good job, then they get bonuses. And, and, and I think that that's been a big thing for us in terms of like uh, motivating them. Uh, because it's, it just removes the, uh, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's all about just getting everyone on the same direction. Um, and it's not always about money, but I think people take the piss going, we do lots of team activities sometimes. And like team activities, you have, you have to do that stuff. Like you have to, you know, show that you care and everything like that. But at the end of the day, people are there, um, you know, to make a living. And mm-hmm. if you're, you know, getting all these lucrative gains out of it and you're being so protective of like the, the you know, the rewards out of growing a business. Like, I, I, I think that a lot of business owners, they have this thing where they're banging their head against the wall and they're going, why don't they fucking care? Like, what, why don't they care? Like, what's, they have no, like, why would anyone ever care about anything that wasn't theirs? Yeah. And I think it's, it's the, the simplest way to get your team on the same page is respect them, have like positive reinforcement. There's a really good book that talks about managing your staff. Um, I'm just trying to remember what it's called. It's, it, it might be the right people. Uh, it's like the, getting the right people on the bus. It, who's that? It's um. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, fuck, it's one of those. Really with the concepts. Can't remember the author. 
yeah, yeah. One, one of those things and it just talks about and like you can look at it in so many different ways like even dogs you, you use positive reinforcement mm. like you tell people they've done the wrong thing but like and if they keep doing the wrong thing they get rid of them for them for mm. sure but like don't like uh, it's like not being you just got to understand that they've got that they, they will never ever think the way that you're thinking unless they're the absolute right person and that person's a unicorn and if Maddie's listening, I think he might he might have listened to this as well. He works for me. I think he's one of those unicorns. Um, and you know, they're just they're there and they're in it. Um, but if they're not, you just gotta understand that they're never ever gonna think the way that you think. Yeah. Um, and you gotta figure out how to motivate them in different ways. Love that. Yep. Speaking of motivation, Isaac, I one of my favorite things when we were doing our research, you gave us a very cheeky pitch, or your team did, and we loved it. Um, on Instagram to come on the podcast. And one of the things when I was doing my research was I was really refreshed, I suppose, by your business approach or the team's business approach and how you've built a business that very clearly works within your values and what's important to you. And you've identified it many times today where you don't take on people that don't fit the mold. If they don't, if they're not going to fit within the parameters that you work, be open-minded, take on some new concepts, et cetera. Um, you won't work with them and it's a hard line from what I can hear from you today. And I think that's an area where many of the tradies we speak to could learn from because they're so um, stuck on the idea of niching, being, you know, niching down into a key area that works for them might stop them from getting all the other work and what they don't understand is how attractive they suddenly become. So I'd like to hear it from your point of view, how you found that experience of building a business around I think very much your personality and your then your team's personality and how that has attracted the right kind of people for you. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, thanks, thanks for that as well. Um, but um, I think um, the, what, what helps as well, especially when you're starting a business, is to make sure that you've got the cash flow to be picky. Um, because if you don't have the cash flow, you, like, and, and unfortunately um, the reality is you probably, like there's going to be a lot of people who are going to go out there and start a business and you're not going to have the cash flow and that's fine but you're just going to have to take the work that's there. And that's fine. That's part of a growth stage. But if you do start a business, you know, maybe try and get a bit of cash flow beforehand so that you can be picky from the start. If you can't, whatever, wait until you've got enough clients and you start getting rid of some, some of them. But it's it's amazing the psychology that happens once you change it. And like, it's it wasn't intentional, but it's definitely been something for us that I've noticed, like our conversion rates on meetings have gone through the roof. I mean, we even went to, um, I mean, I thought we were pitching for their work for this client the other day and we ended up, you know, going out there and we got there and they'd made us lunch and they had, you know, tea and coffee for us. And they were like, <laughs> and then when we said we'd love to work and then they were like, oh my God, thank God. And they were like, so, and we're like, what the fuck happened? What the fuck should happen? And um, it, it wasn't intentional, but I, I definitely think, you know, for, for builders and anything like that, like if you become specialist, we, you sort of, you know, it's, it's no different to, you know, young kids dating. Like it's, yeah. you know, people want what they can't have. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, human psychology 101. And it's really hard to have the conviction to commit to it because, you know, just as much as it's human desire to want things that you can't have, it's also human desire to, you know, get excited when you think you got something that you want. So it's a, it's a two-way street, but um, I definitely think it helps. You can't be too much of a F-wit about it. Like you can't just be like, carrying on like you still got to respect Great. everyone they're doing but um and you can't just be like on the best so yeah do sort of thing but i think it's it's once you you 
like it's a, it's a genuine commitment in your head. It's not yeah. like a sales pitch that you can turn around and mm-hmm. you know, practice over and over and over again. It's I genuinely love my product. I genuinely think my product's worth something. And that just shows people can just see it. I don't know how they can see it, but they do. So I think that that's probably, yeah. I agree. hundred percent. I have a final question for you, Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> Super nice advice. It's great business name. Who came up with it and why? Yeah, I I would love to say that I came up with it, but um, <laughs> I could. I, I mean, I came up, I came up with advice, so that was. Uh, <laughs> it's a good. We, um, we've we've got uh, another company that sort of does marketing. Um, now they uh, were Supernice Studios or were Supernice Media. I always love the name, um, and I think you know there's a, a tip, you know typical accounting accounting financial planner like you probably know what it was but uh you know accounting financial planner and lender and that was like that trio of you know services that always stuck together we've sort of gone more towards um accounting and um you know business coaches uh marketing lawyers people that are actually business service provisions not really individual provisions um so anyway i i fucking love the name and um contacted them and i was like why don't we just do a brand partnership um you know we can it's a good place for us to get started and mm. I, I i think we'll work because we used to be called and this is a bit of a crude one so tg warning but um we used to be called account a-k-o-u-n-t <laughs> um, yeah i think you can probably get where i'm going but we had a couple i, I didn't think about it at the time but we had a couple of people sort of come around and say oh like i think you guys probably know where i'm going but um <laughs> Would have worked yeah. well in the Northern Territory, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a lot of marketing so um, Anyway, so, yeah, it was going to be super nice uh, tax or super nice accounting or something. And then I think my girlfriend bloody said, oh, what a, something that rhymes and it came with the tongue and it was available. So there we went. Love it. Nice. It's great. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's not, uh, you know, Isaac French and Associates or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> which definitely would have been boring as batshit absolutely uh all right i'm gonna break the the disclaimer rule about general advice i'm gonna ask you to give some more advice isaac <laughs> so one one final question from me as well if you had a thousand trade business owners in a room what's one piece of advice what's one super nice piece of advice you'd love to leave them oh, with mate nice. um go and find a tradie from every different industry so if you're a plumber go find a carpenter go find a sparky um blah 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 culturally make sure you're a good fit um once you find that sparky go with that sparky and go find another person who's not in that trade form circles of the same services and then just make a genuine commitment to each other where you're all going to get work out of each other love, I love that. it it's not financial advice but that's what i'd be doing if i was in that room absolutely good business advice mate which is mm. uh Wraps it up very nicely. And every time I say nice now, I'm going to think of you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mate, um, thank you. This has been the most entertaining chat I've had with an accountant ever. Uh, so, <laughs> Take that as a compliment so, for the accounting industry. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, no, that's been great, mate. And, and I love the, the real tips you've shared um, and just how authentic you are, mm. uh, you know. I guess dropping dropping a few uh, profanities doesn't automatically make people authentic. And yeah. with you, Isaac, I feel 
Like, you know, we've just spoken to someone who has been with us the way you are with your clients, the way you are with your mates. And I really appreciate that in business people mm. and advisors, um, professional advisors, dare I say it. So um, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for the pitch, mate. And um, yeah, look forward to seeing more amazing things from you guys. If people do want to check you out, I'm sure you're easy to find on socials given that you come from a bit of the marketing world. But what's the easiest way for people to go and stalk you guys? Uh, yeah, definitely just um, go to the Instagram. Like we've got a website and phone numbers and emails and all that shit, but um, just go to super nice advice. Um, spelled the way you think it. Uh, uh, some people spell advice with an S. It's a C. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, um, We're in so, Australia, yeah, just, that's just the Instagram. Um, yeah, that's probably the easiest way. We're pretty active on it. So if you DM us, we'll um, reach out to you and have a chat. But no, it's been a, it's been a pleasure being on here and it's been you know nice chatting to you guys. So cheers. Thanks, awesome. Isaac. Thanks, Isaac. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.